I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Of all the love I have won or have lost, there is one love I should never have crossed. She was a girl in a million, my friend. I should have known she would win in the end. I'm a loser, and I lost someone who's near to me. Hi, this is Brent White. It's Wednesday, January 24th, and this is devotional podcast number seven. You're listening to The Beatles, of course, and this is their song, I'm a Loser. I recorded this song from their um, Capitol album called uh, Beatles 65. Um, most of you in the post-CD era know that this song originates on their British album Beatles for Sale, but I'm recording all these songs from my record collection, and I happen to have this song on the American version of that album, which came out in December 1964. Well, Super Bowl season is upon us. The game is set. And once again, for better or worse, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots have made it to the big game. This means that come February 4th, out of a population of 320 million Americans, about 317 million of them will be diehard Philadelphia Eagles fans. Certainly those of us living in Atlanta will be donning the green and silver, that's for sure. Almost as inevitable as a Patriots victory is the likelihood that at some point during the game on the field or after the game in interviews, a star player will do or say something to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the reason for his or his team's success and that Christ deserves all the thanks and praise. Years ago, when I was going through a season of doubt in my life, long since past, I'm happy to report, this behavior used to annoy me. I thought, sure, it's easy for this guy to thank Jesus. His team won. Would he be thanking Jesus if his team didn't win? Well, now that I know better, I hope I can speak for Christian athletes everywhere when I say that, yes, by all means, win or lose, we always, always, always have reasons to thank Jesus. If you look in your Bibles at Genesis chapters 37 through 50, you'll read about a man named Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Remember, Joseph was the one for whom his father made him the, the coat of many colors, and his older brothers were insanely jealous of their little brother. At first, they wanted to kill him, but cooler heads prevailed, so they sold him into slavery in Egypt instead. But that's just the beginning of Joseph's troubles. Over the course of decades, Joseph suffers a lot, until finally he rises through the ranks and becomes, next to Pharaoh himself, the most powerful man in Egypt. Thanks to his wise leadership during a famine, he helps to save millions of people from starvation. And finally, Joseph has a reunion with his brothers, the same ones who caused all his suffering in the first place. And despite the brothers' fears that Joseph would kill them, 
he forgives them instead, and he tells them something remarkable. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. In other words, what Joseph's brothers did to him was genuinely evil. The suffering he suffered was genuinely painful. The stuff that happened to him was genuinely bad. But that wasn't the end of the story. God transformed that evil, that suffering, that pain into something incredibly good. He used it ultimately to save the lives of millions. We see the same dynamic at work in the life of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes what he calls a thorn in his flesh. We don't know for sure what this thorn was. It could have been a physical affliction. It could be related to the persecution he suffered. Whatever it was, it was a trial in Paul's life that caused him pain, and it was evil. In fact, Paul says that it came from the devil himself or at least, a, at least a messenger from Satan. But Satan obviously sent the messenger. But once again, that wasn't the end of the story for Paul. God transformed that evil thing from the devil into something very good for Paul. It was necessary, Paul said, to experience this thorn in order to keep him humble, to keep him depending on the Lord rather than trusting in himself. Whenever we experience too much prosperity, we are tempted to trust in ourselves rather than the Lord. So Paul sees that this thorn helped to keep him humble. The same principle applies. Satan intended to harm Paul, but God intended it all for good. So think about your own life. What's the worst thing that the devil or anyone else can throw at you. Whatever it is, if you only trust in Jesus Christ, he will transform it by his grace into something for your good. Do you believe that? I talked in the last episode and in recent sermons about our need to fall in love with Jesus Christ again, or to stay in love with him. How can we do that if we don't believe that he has a plan for the pain and suffering we're experiencing? That no matter what, even when we're experiencing something bad, God is somehow using it for our good. And that's why the hypothetical football star I mentioned earlier has the ability to thank Jesus win or lose. Because God is doing something good for us in both victory and and defeat. So see, we can pity the New England Patriots, players, coaches, and fans. They don't often get to experience the genuine good that God can bring out of defeat. We should feel sorry for them, huh? <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> but seriously, if, if you struggle to believe that God has the power to transform evil into something good, remember the cross. God used the greatest evil the world has ever seen, which was the death of his son Jesus, to accomplish the greatest good the world has ever seen, which is the salvation of everyone who believes in Jesus. 
Surely, 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 God can take every lesser form of evil, pain, and suffering in our lives and do the same. Like a clown Beneath this mask I am wearing a frown My tears are falling Like rain from the sky Is it for her Or myself that I cry 